This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Uh, just, just to ease you at times, you know, we live in a, in a crazy society anymore, and many of you are aware of that, but in Psalm 91, the Lord said, I'll give my angels charge over you to keep you in all your way. So when you let those little blessings off for school, you just loose the angels to go with them. All you teachers that the angels will be encamped about you this school year. A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near your dwelling. For God's given his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So just a verse of scripture you can hang on. All right, get your hand up again if you need a Bible. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Joshua chapter 9. Joshua 9, we've been in a series, you were made for more for a bunch, a bunch of weeks. I got several weeks left to go. Just some things that keep coming up to, to help us. And so when you begin to study the believer's life, sometimes we ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever wondered that? Why do bad things happen to, to the righteous? But as you read the Bible, you'll see scriptures that talk about stories of hardship and tragedy. And many times we have the thought, is once upon a time and they lived happily ever after, but better stated, once upon a time and then all hell broke loose. And so when you look at this, remember, just because you're having difficulties and tragedies right now, doesn't mean God's not with you. Doesn't mean to quit and give up. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but also in your life, when we're needing direction, what do we need to do? So we begin in the book of Joshua, chapter 9. Verse number 1, and it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, that all the ites, jump on through that, jump to verse 2, we don't want to read about the ites, okay, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. So what happens here, all these ites, they, they combine forces. They said, man, our only hope about defeating Joshua and the Israelites, we've got to come together. Verse number 3. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily. They resorted to deception, and they went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and pat sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provisions was dry and moldy. Now, when you begin to look at this, they, they disguise themselves. It's almost like a Hollywood movie. They, they stage themselves to appear a certain way. And so watch what is said here in verse 6. And they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, and they said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country, therefore make a covenant with us. Make a peace treaty with us. We want to hang out with you guys. We're from a long ways away. And so as you look at all this, the problem in God's eyes was in, in uh, Exodus 23 and again in Exodus 34, God said, don't make any treaties with them. Don't make treaties with these guys at all. If you further, or follow further along in Scripture, when King Saul became king, you remember what God said to him? He said, wipe them out. Kill them. Get rid of every one of them. 
But specifically right here, God said, do not make treaty with them. So we pick up now. Same chapter. Verse number 14. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask God or they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. So Joshua says, come on in, boys. I'll give you a vow. We're going to be at peace with you. Watch verse 16. And it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard they were neighbors who dwelt near them. He's got some scouts, and after three days, these scouts come back. You know what they said? Hey, these guys just live over the hill. In other words, Joshua, they played you. They tricked you. They deceived you. Now, how could Joshua get in that predicament? The answer to that is found at the end of verse 15. Now, go back there with me. End of verse 15. Or end of verse 14, I mean. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. He didn't ask for guidance from the Lord. He didn't seek God. As I read that, I thought, does that relate to you and me? How many times have I done things without inquiring of the Lord? How many times did it look good, but just because it looks good doesn't mean it's good? And many times we jump into this and think, well, that's common sense. But again, in this situation, if they would have just asked the Lord. And so what happens to us oftentimes as human beings? We make our plans. We have our thoughts and we go ahead and ask God or we go ahead and do them. And then after we do them, we ask God to bless it. We ask God to bail us out when in reality, I'm the one who got myself in the predicament to start with because I didn't ask God. I didn't trust God. Look in verse 22 of that same chapter. Then Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, Why have you deceived us? He knew at that moment, you played me, you tricked me. And you know, oftentimes the enemy in our life, he's not loud and noisy. He's real sneaky and deceptive in the same way. In Matthew 24, it says this, In the last days, one of the signs will be many will be deceived. I believe one of the ways we become deceived is when we just look at our own ability or we look at things through the lens of common sense. So even in this area, as believers, I get off track when I don't inquire of the Lord. When I don't go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Now, one of the number one ways that God leads his people or speaks to every one of us is through the word of God, through the scriptures. Matthew 4, 4, the Lord Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So again, something happens when I begin to hear the word. Psalms 119 says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So again, God will instruct us through the word of God. But what happens in my life when I don't have scripture for what I'm needing an answer for? How would that look? Well, how many of times have you gone out to buy a new car 
And you found specifically in scriptures in John 23, 23 that it says, buy that Ford Mustang. I've never found in scripture where it specifically says to buy this car. How many of you were trying to buy a home? How many did it say that you're supposed to buy a three-bedroom house? Scripture. I've never found it. How many of you got uh, a dilemma this year where you to send your school or your children to school at? Never found scripture for that one either. How many of you go on vacation and found scripture for that? Here's a good one. How many of you, before you got married, it said specifically, you're supposed to marry Billy Bob? I've never found scripture for that. Here's just a little insight for you. If you're planning on getting married soon, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If she wants your plan on getting married, you may ought to heed that, okay? Because I don't care how hard he works and how handsome, daring, and exciting he is. If he doesn't know Jesus, run! Too many believers in our time are wanting to marry Forrest Gump and thank God will bless it, but you're going to get gunked. You're going to get all goofed up when you violate that. And I'm getting off a little bit, okay? Back again, there's times in our life that you won't find Scripture. So what do I do in my life when I need direction from God, but there may not be Scripture? Well, turn to your right just a little bit, and you're going to hit 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, as you go to 1 Samuel 30, this is a passage about King David. Remember, King David was a man after God's own heart. He was the next anointed king of Israel. Now, I'm highlighting that because we're getting ready to read about King, king David. But understand this. Just because he was the anointed next king didn't mean he was exempt from hardships and trials and difficulties. So we begin in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Now, you've got to understand this, that Ziklag was David's home for a little over a year, okay? This is where it's at. That's his house. And on the third day that the Malachites had invaded the south in Ziklag, they attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. So what happens? David and his men, they go on this little battle for three days and they come home and they come over a hill and one of them says, that smells like fire. Smells like smoke. Looks like fire. And they come over the hill and they realize that's our city. It's burned to the ground. Verse 2. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them and went away. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Now, I'll bet you, I've had bad days in my life. But I've never had a day like that. I don't have wives. I was going to say my wives. I don't have wives, plural. I just got a wife, okay? But I've never come home. My wife gone. My children gone. All my possessions gone. My home's gone. So literally he, he loses all the dear people in his life and he goes bankrupt all in one day. Now this is the anointed king of, of Israel. 
And this happens to him. Now watch what happens here. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices, wept, and they had no more power to weep. Now, that's some, that's some deep crying right there. Now, you cry all day long until there's no tears left. And many times when we read this, we look at these guys and say, bunch of crybabies. No. These guys right here that were crying with him, they were bad to the bone. I'm telling you, these guys would thrust a sword through you in the blink of an eye. So again, when life comes after us, man, it causes great grief and pain. And this is what he's experiencing. Verse 5. And David's two wives, the Hinnom, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, comma. I bet so. Would you be greatly distressed? Yeah. And then after the comment says, for the people spoke of stoning him. Now, when I look at this right here, these guys that were, were looking at stoning him, they had a short-term memory. In 1 Samuel 22, it says these guys were in distress. They were in debt and they were discontented. In other words, until David came into their life, they were a bunch of losers. And now all of a sudden, they're mad at David. Let's blame David. When life gets tough, we've got to blame somebody. And so what you find out in this thing called life, when the going gets tough, you find out who your real friends are. And so you begin to see here, when everything in David's life collapses and all his friends turn on him, what does he do? Now this is where me and you can learn. Watch this, this is incredible. The end of verse 6, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The Amplified says, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now as I look at this, he had some choices to make. He could have got bitter. He could have quit. He could have given up. But it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that actually mean? I believe he began to praise and he began to worship God's what I believe. I believe he began to remind himself of how great God is. You know, in Psalms 34, he said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. Good days, bad days. The worst day of your life. He said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So guess what? God became his constant. He got his eyes off of himself. And he looked to God. That's why he says, oh magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. So when I magnify God. I make God bigger than my problems. This is what King David does. He begins to worship God. And he praises God. On the worst day of his life. So I can tell you this right now. When you see this, God will speak to you in the times you get into his presence and praise and worship him. Even when you don't feel like it. Something happens when I, I raise my hands to God and I call upon him. So I believe this is what David began to do. 
See, I can learn from this. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. And what the ephod was, it was a garment he would put on. And they all knew when he went to battle, he would call for Joab. When it was time to seek God, he would call for Abathar and he'd say, bring me that ephod. You know what that ephod really meant? I'm not doing anything till I hear from God. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Now, now wait just a minute. Think about this. Put yourself in this story. What happens to you on that day when they've taken your wife and your children Doesn't common sense say, we go after them? I suit up all the horses and I say, we're going after them. I'm getting all my friends, we're going after them. Common sense says this. But yet, here King David, he would not do anything until he consulted in God. And he asked God that question and he said, God, give me wisdom. Give me guidance. See, what I found out about life When I go and do things out of my own resources, my own common sense, I've jumped the gun. I've false started. And in track, when you false start, guess what happens? You're disqualified. This is the same here. And so this becomes so powerful for me to think, and it looks so common. Common sense, go after him. But he said, no. Now watch how God responds. And he answered him, pursue, for you shall overtake them. And without fail, recover all. You know what happens there? When you take time to consult in God and get on God's frequency, God will tell you. He'll give you a word. He'll give you a rhema, a spoken word. And it was like God told him right here, you go and this is what's going to happen. Now, it's interesting, the Lord Jesus said on 15 different occasions, He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The question isn't if we have ears. I mean, I can go around the room. Every one of you got ears. Every one of you got two of them. So the the, the question wasn't if you got ears. The question, what are you doing with your ears? See, when I go before the presence of the Lord, and it's important to say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I need to get on your frequency, Father God. So how do we do that as New Testament believers? Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now we've been in this passage several times in the last month and a half. And again, what you'll begin to see is the three areas that God speaks to his children in. He speaks to us through the word of God, the scriptures. He speaks to us in praise and worship. And this next one, he'll speak into our hearts with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, These are the sons of God. Better describing here, 
the lifestyle of ones who are sons of God are the ones who are led by the Spirit of God. The New American Standard says, for all who are being led continually. The message says, God's Spirit beckons us. And so what happens here is when we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God said, you'll be led by the Spirit of God. Now, how does that look? Keep reading with me, and I'm going to go through verse 15 and verse 16. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, when he says Abba, Father there, he's saying it in a, in a form of I've got a relationship with him. Do you know in Psalm 50, 15, it says, Call upon the Lord in the day of trouble, and he'll answer you. God wants us to call upon him. So when you look at this here, and he says, Call upon the name of the Lord, call upon him as Father. You know why you can do that? It's because when you get to have a relationship with God, and you learn to get into the presence of God, you'll hear his voice. And let me give you a little analogy of some things here I believe that will help you this morning. This is, this is my mom here. If she called me today, and I know we have cell phones now, so your number kicks up immediately. You know who it is. But uh, with some of you in here that were born before there were cell phones, there were these things called landmines, or landlines, not landmines. <laughs> Maybe they should have called landmines. Landlines. So what would happen? Your phone would ring in your house, and there would be one line. So if my mom called me today, and I picked up the phone, and she said, hello, I'd say, who is this? And hang up on her. No, without knowing who was on that line, the minute I heard her voice, I would know who it was. That's like if Shelly called me to this day, I don't answer the phone when I hear her and say, who is this? No, I recognize her voice. You know why? I spent time with her. So when I spend time with Father God, I get to the place where I understand His voice and the way He speaks to me and He deals with me. And so this is what He's talking about here, that we say, Abba, Father, because it's a relationship we have with Him. Now watch verse 16. The Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself, He bears witness with our spirit. He, he joins with our spirit. The Amplified says he testifies together with our spirit that we are children of God. And so how this begins to look with the Holy Spirit, that it says that he bears witness with our spirit. That's my heart. That's on the inside of me. And so with every one of us, that when we are in areas of our life where we're making decisions... If there's a jostling within you, if there's an uneasiness within you, if, if there is a gnawing within you, almost like a red light that says, stop, don't do that, that's the Holy Spirit. When you get a yuck on the inside of you, and it may be like this, 
Father God, I ask you today, is this the house you want me to buy? And you get in the presence of the Lord and start praying, and you get an uneasiness within you, a yuck on the inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit right there saying, don't do it. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Numerous times now. Years ago, I was in the process of buying a house. I needed to buy a house. My old one had sold. We kept going to this house. And man, Shelly loved the house. And every time I would go in there, it was like there was a wrestling match on the inside of me. Like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Now, you know what? You can override that, but it's very similar to overriding a red light. You run a red light in Lubbock? So what would you do, Pastor? And I kept going before the Lord. I said, Holy Spirit, direct me. I need... So I remember looking at Shelly one day and I said, Dear, I'm not against buying you a house. I'm just against you buying that one. And so we didn't buy it. And a few weeks later, this other house opened, and it was even a better deal. And six months after that, that one house, that every time I'd go in there and I'd get that unresting within me, the lady realtor said, I don't know what you knew that day, but she said that foundation settled, and there were six-inch cracks in that foundation of that house. You know what she thought? She thought, he gets dressed in a phone booth. Wrong. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to give you some more scripture today. So some of you say, the Holy Spirit still does that? Well, it's right there smack dab in the middle of the New Testament, isn't it? And guess what? I can reject that. I can blow that off. So that's the, the, the one way that he leads us is with that unrest, that uneasiness within the inside of me. Now watch the second area. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God, and let the peace of God, now the reason I'm highlighting that is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness. The third one is peace. And he said, let the peace of God, so the peace that he's talking about comes from the Holy Spirit. Now watch this, watch this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It didn't say rule in your head. It didn't say rule in your feelings. Don't listen to your feelings. Your feelings are fickle. They're like a yo-yo. They'll take you up and down. He said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule right there in the Greek, it literally means to referee or umpire. So let the peace of God be the component that rules in your heart. So you know what he's telling us? Don't do anything without peace. When I get the peace of God, it's like a green light. It says go, advance. Let me ask you something. How many of you have ever bought a car and never asked God one thing about it? I've done that. 
one time. <laughs> and it was disastrous. I got a lemon. How many of you have ever bought a car that's a lemon? I got a lemon. And man, it made my little face sour. I'm telling you, from this day on or back then, when I'd go buy a car, I'd say, I'm not making any decisions yet. Let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. Let me get around the Holy Spirit. And if there was a peace within me, I knew the Holy Spirit saying, green light, buddy, go. But if you get that gnawing of uneasiness, don't override that. This is what he's talking about right here. And let the peace of God, listen to this. Ooh, this is good. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which you were all, also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now the reason I want to highlight all there, there's the three areas the Lord will lead you by right there. And let the peace of the Holy Spirit rule in your heart and let the word of God dwell in you richly. And then he says, praise and worship, to sing to God in songs and spiritual songs. And so when I take time to do that, And I know we live in a society that says, move, make a decision, quit dilly-dallying around. But it's interesting, even King David, on the worst day of his life, he said, time out, boys. I don't care what life looks like. I'm not doing anything until I hear from the Lord. Man, what would happen if we would begin to live that way? Go back to your left, one book, to the book of Philippians Philippians chapter 4. Dang, Pastor, this is good. Yeah, I knew it'd help you. It helps me. I'll give you stories of my life over and over and over. I've run spiritual red lights. Man, it costs me dearly. People learn two ways in this life. You either learn the hard way or you learn with wisdom. I choose the younger I get to live by wisdom. I've learned the hard way. Philippians chapter 4. Now, Shelley read this earlier in the service, but watch this. This is an incredible verse. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Now, again, I'm not going to have a show of hands. But how many of you are anxious right now in your life? You got some big decisions to make. Got some big choices to make. Some of you are anxious because you're trying to buy a car or a home. Some of you are anxious because of a job. Some of you are anxious because you've got to start to school in three days, and pastor's really happy about that. It's your little rear back in class. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this. How many of you are anxious? But he said, be anxious for nothing. Now, every time I read that verse, here's what jumps out to me. Is that even possible? Well, yeah, it's got to be because he's telling us how we don't have to let anxiety dominate us. So he said, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Now, if you've got a pen in your hand right now and you're looking at your Bible where it says, but in everything, mark the word in, circle the word in. He said, but in everything. He didn't say, but for everything. He said, but in everything. So David was going through a bunch of junk, but he didn't give God glory for what he was going through. But in it, he knew, okay, 
I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. So when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, what do I do? Right here, watch. But in everything by prayer. Anxiety's knocking at your door. You open it and freak out. Or do you say, man, I'm going to pray. In prayer and supplications, which is petitions, with thanksgiving. You know what thanksgiving is? Woo, I thank you, Father God. I praise you, Father God. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're God and you're still on the throne. Be thankful in everything and let your requests be made known to God. What a novel idea. When life comes at you, pray, 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 pray. Praise, pray. Do you know prayer and praise, they go hand in hand. Pray, praise, pray, praise. Verse 7. And the peace of God, or God's peace, which surpasses or transcends all my understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It'll settle you. So you know what he's just telling me right there? It may not make sense up here, but it'll make sense right here. And so through this verse right here, if you make all your plans and all your decisions in life based on common sense, based on your intellect, based on what your best friend told you to do, you're going to stay in Egypt. You're going to stay in the wilderness. Even though God has more for you. So what begins to happen is this. Man, i got to get around God. i got to come before God. And Father God, I need you. I welcome you. You know, uh, Acts 17, 28 says, In Him I live and move and have my being. Everything I do, i got to include God. And so if you've got dilemmas in your life, you've got anxiety in your life right now, man, something happens when I just begin to stand on the Word and I begin to pray. And if it means getting into the presence of God, then get into the presence of God. Hold fast to the things of God. If you were here on Wednesday night, I quoted a verse that the Lord has really begun moving in my life again. And this is just a little reminder. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, shame on you. No, I didn't mean that. Listen to the podcast. Matthew 18, verse 19. It says, if two of you will agree on earth as touching anything, it'll be done for you. Something happens when I just begin to obey the scriptures. I know not everyone in this room is married, and I'm not trying to get you married. But I believe one of the greatest areas of agreement, if not the greatest, is in a marriage covenant. Genesis 2, the Lord said, Therefore shall a husband and wife become one. The devil knows that. That's why he opposes that so much. Something happens when you're married, when you grab hands and you begin to say, we're going to come into agreement. 
We're going to begin to stand on the word. We're going to begin to pray. We need direction, Father God. Now listen, this is not eliminating you if you're not married. If you're single, you get with your friend, you get with another man or woman of God that will believe with you and say, I need to agree in prayer. Why? Because the B-I-B-L-E told me to. He said, if you'll get in agreement, God will hear. He'll begin to answer. And so I'm just raising the bar for, if you're married, get into agreement. Quit living in disagreement. And begin to come before God and say, Father God, we pour out our hearts to you. We come. Listen, guys, I'm telling you. Over and over in me and Shelly's life, this is how we begin to do it. We don't do anything big without getting in agreement. We very seldom do anything little without getting in agreement. Well, we grab hands and we say, we're going to believe you, Father God. We're going to trust you. And so I sense that with every one of us in here. What would happen if we begin to go to God? God, I need your guidance. I don't know what to do. Woo, you have not because you ask not. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.